0: In today's episode, it's time to get out the charcoal and a lighter because it's time to turn up the heat and grill Alan. Today we will be covering what would Alan do if he had to start all over, some of Alan's greatest hits, or are they? And we will dive into the importance of relationships with other people. I am your guest host and podcast grill master, Stephen Payton. Alan, you ready to play the role of a burger and get grilled?
1: Uh-oh, play the jingle the extraordinary belongs to those that created. Rebelling against business plans and debt, rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun, and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur.
0: All right, Alan, first question I have, uh, being from Texas myself, and I know you're a food guy. Have you you ever enjoyed texas barbecue before
1: oh texas barbecue i am such a big fan we even did a barbecue tour of texas my wife and i we rented a red ford mustang and drove to the capital of barbecue food in texas and tried them all Smiddies, blacks we tried all the different ones you have good barbecue food in texas
0: perfect i that's what i want to hear and i know you're a big taco fan and I actually had a brisket taco yesterday so I, I mashed up the barbecue and the taco so if you're ever in Texas let me know and we can go get some brisket tacos together
1: oh yes I am down for that
0: <laughs> awesome so this is my first podcast ever so we'll see how this goes thank you for the opportunity and I'm excited to get into these burning questions that I've I I've I've had for you yes get back to the grilling theme so I, I, as I mentioned in the in the intro I thought It would make sense. We're at the start of the podcast. I'm kind of in the start of my business life. So, you have started many businesses and have learned lots over your several years and several businesses started. So, if you had to go back and start from scratch with only your current knowledge, no monetary resources whatsoever, you're starting from zero, just what you know, what business are you starting and why?
1: (sighs) You know, you have ideas over the years. Do you have ideas
0: over the years? Years, of, I mean, I have year, ideas over the days. Like, you know, <laughs> the, ne- the next day I have a new idea, and I'm like, "Ooh, you know, buy the domain name and all that good stuff." So, oh, man, I, d- I don't I buy too many, so many just, domain names. Yeah, yeah, it's you, kind of a problem. You've got to
1: stop buying the domain names until you've sold it. Top tip for the audience: Don't do what we do and buy domain names immediately because you just end up with a hundred of them sucking money out of your account every year. But there's a couple of ideas I've had over the years that. If I was starting again, I I think I'd really love to do. And one is sort of a a guide to self development because there's so many people selling courses, selling content, selling ideas, and I've paid so much money for these over the years. And some of them have been a complete waste, and I would like my dollars and pounds back. And some of them were actually really quite impressive and had a significant impact on my life. The self-development world pays a very good affiliate commission. So if they're selling courses for quite high value, if you sell it for them, you can get quite a high commission. So I think I could help the audience to find the best courses and earn a good amount of money at the same time doing it. So a guide to self-development, a website that hosts all the best courses, maybe even a self-development podcast that helps people learn about it. That's an idea that's been burning for years because I've wasted so much money on it. Can I give you a second one?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: The second one, I had this idea a long time ago. It's called Pizza Parliament. And the idea we would convene the Houses of Parliament for pizza, there would be an MP, a Member of Parliament for cheese, an MP for crust, an MP for this. And I don't know if you ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. He did a wine channel years ago. That was his big launch. And I want to do a pizza channel. I want to review pizza. I started it. I did it. We got logos. We started it. I just, I never found the time to properly create it. And if I was starting again, I think you could actually become the face. One could become the face of pizza around the world. And I'm actually inspired to do a Gary Vaynerchuk style business, Mm -hmm. whether it's pizza. I did think about doing it for barbecue food like I I thought that would be amazing there's a few people who've done that on YouTube and done it very well but there's yeah there's no reason why I couldn't start again and build a Gary Vaynerchuk type business and create the life I actually want to
0: yeah the the state magazine in Texas uh Texas Monthly has a barbecue editor and his full job is to go around to various barbecue places and rate them for people and they have the top 50 barbecue list and if you go to the, all the barbecue places and get stickers like on a passport, uh, this was, I guess, prior to COVID. But then you could go and get free merchandise at a sponsor.
1: That sounds like a mission. I'm mean, in. When a should we do it? I'll be there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is Texas is massive, so you have to. Uh, that's a. It, it is a long endeavor because some of those spots are on the border and they are many, many hours away from civilization. But they do have I good once barbecue. Drove from- so.
1: Dallas to Los Angeles. And it took me seven and a half hours to leave Texas. And I was just thinking, I could have driven to Scotland and part of the way back in this time that it took me to leave one state. But anyway, I think the thing about starting again that I'd love to say to everyone is it's about the idea, the implementation, and the persistence. You just, and it doesn't really matter what the idea is, just have an idea, implement it and be persistent. And it's an amazing way you will get with it. And I think that was my biggest mistake, Stephen, was I never followed through on a lot of the ideas. The only one I really followed through on was Pop-Up Business School, which later became Rebel Business School. That's the only one I properly followed through. And I still struggled to do it. I kept thinking every year, do I really want to do this? Should I do something else? Should I, should I... So yeah, that like starting again is like pick an idea, follow through, do the mini experiment and just keep going.
0: Yeah, I've heard uh even when you're successful, sometimes you get bored of success and you start doing other things and even though what we're doing works and I'll, I'll start an idea, do it for a little while and be like, "Oh, it's starting to work. Ooh, this new idea. Ooh." and get distracted <laughs> and I just need to stick with the the original idea and keep keep striving.
1: Well, something I said recently which uh, just I was talking about business and a successful business is boring or it should be. You should find a way, a product or a service and an audience and you should sell it and then you should do it again and again and again to different audiences, different people and do it because it works and you generate profit. And sometimes we as humans want a bit of drama to keep us entertained. But like find your drama the other a different way go on a roller coaster i don't know like find drama testing barbecue food don't do it with your business keep it simple keep it profitable and just repeat 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 because a successful business should be boring and predictable
0: i 100% agree on that now something you said in there was talking about pick any idea and as i mentioned in the in the in the start of the show some of alan's greatest hits or are they? So I'm curious, you know, we all have ideas, and some of them are not the best. So I'm going to define bad idea as one that you really loved. But then we're told by feedback and stuff like Alan, no, that's that's actually a terrible idea. So what is your favorite bad idea you've ever had?
1: My favorite bad idea for a business that I've ever had I did do an experiment, which I thought was a brilliant idea. And I put it out there and a few people said yes. My business partner was sent, meant to send out an email at the same time, Simon. He didn't send out the marketing email. So my own business partner gave me feedback by, I'm not going to support you by promoting this, Alan. And that was actually quite painful. I was very annoyed with him. And then eventually I realized, like, it's not him. I haven't sold him the idea properly. He didn't believe in it. If he'd have actually believed in it, he would have done it. And talk about feedback that you get. Like, I really like that idea. The idea was to sell a training course. We found some partners in Puerto Rico to run a business school. And the idea was sell to corporates a training course, like fly to Puerto Rico. We will run a coaching session for you on how to coach people. You will support the people building businesses on the island. And then you will learn coaching skills, leadership skills as you're doing that. And then at the end, we'll do another session. So these people would get a sort of incredible training. They get to like build businesses on a Caribbean island. Like, what more do you want? I thought it was the most incredible idea, but I couldn't get my business partner to send out an email.
0: So, what did you learn from that situation?
1: I thought he was on board. I genuinely thought he was on board. I think I needed to, like, why haven't you sent this quicker? I should have gone back into the loop quicker with him to work out what was going on. And actually, the lack of support from my own team, the people around me, actually led me to not follow up on the people that I sent out the email that they were interested. And I should have... I just should have been a little bit more closing, forceful. I'm famous for having a lot of drive and making things happen. In this particular instance, I think that really hit me and I wasn't, I was like, oh, he's not, he's not into it. And then that kind of killed my energy and my mojo for the idea. And really what I should have done is stop and gone to him and ask, so what's stopping you sending the email? What's not quite right about the idea yet and had those tough conversations earlier? That's what I should have done. And I definitely got better over the years at having tougher conversations earlier, especially when I started to repeat to myself, your success in life is directly related to the number of uncomfortable conversations you can have. And when I started to realize that, I started to have more uncomfortable conversations quicker, which resolve problems earlier. But that I still love that idea. I still want to do it. I still think it's an amazing idea. I just couldn't. Just couldn't. Stephen. Stephen. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was gonna ask, do you secretly hope to rekindle this idea, but I think you just answered that. So kind of going back to the first part that we talked about, you think if you had implemented the energy behind it, it it could work.
1: I think if I'd have got Simon's buy-in, I think if I'd have if I'd have got one of my leads over the line and shown, look, I've sold two thousand, three thousand, whatever pounds dollars of it, Simon, come on. There's money here, there's opportunity and it's a cool thing. Just do it. If think if I'd have done that, it would have inspired him to follow along. But I just didn't. I just didn't. So I think following through with strong belief, making things happen, creating the first sale. sale—like There's a lot of themes of the podcast that I tell everyone else. And the reason I end up telling everyone else is because it's the things I did wrong at the start. And I, just, I want everyone to avoid the mistakes I made and all the pain I went through doing this stuff.
0: So what would you say would be a good line in terms of when to give up on a business idea versus when you haven't put enough energy into something?
1: (laughs) So there's like some diagnostic tools I'd like to give to everyone. Because like sometimes people have been doing it for six months and they're like, no, I've got no sales. Nothing's happening. Oh, dear. Um, And they're kind of down. And I get like that. I get down. My first question is, how many people have you put the offer in front of? And they'll say something like, I sent five emails. And that's when I want to tear my hair out. Like, if you send five emails, you're not going to get a sale, like send 5000, speak to hundreds of people, put the energy into it. And it seems like a big thing. But first diagnostic tool is how much effort have you put into sales and marketing? Like how many people have you contacted? How many people have you put the offer in front of? If you can look yourself squarely in the eyes in the mirror, and say, I have approached a thousand people and no one bought. No one. Then my question is, did you ask them why? Like, you need the feedback. You need to know why. If you've done it to a lot of people and you've asked them why and they've all said, like, this just isn't something I need, this just is this, like, you get all sorts of feedback and you know you've given everything, then be like, well, okay. Time to let that one go and do another mini experiment. We did an episode with Keith Hunt about reviewing the guy who had the food truck and the food business. We did a thing about reviewing mini experiments. And the three criteria we came up with were, have you sold any? Did you make any money? Did you enjoy it? Like if you've done it and you didn't even have fun, like go on to a different idea quickly. And then the final one is, did the customer enjoy it? Did they come back to you and say, I want more? I loved it. And if you've sold a bit, you enjoyed it and they enjoyed it, that's a good sign to go on. If you fail one of those tests, then start to think about is this really where I want to put my time, energy, and passion?
0: I think it's interesting because I've seen a lot of guys fail at that number two. I mean, we're both financially, financial independence driven people. And I've seen a lot of people be like, well, it makes money. And it's like, well, have you? do you like it though? And they're like, no, I really hate it. Like, I, and it's like, what? Okay. Why are you doing it? And well, it makes money. And I, Well, isn't that kind of the point of financial independence is, you know, so you can kind of dictate your life a bit and completely losing sight of the journey is a part of once you get there, you, you got to focus on the journey too. Cause once you get there, it's not just like the heavens open up and just sunshine and rainbows from there on out but i I always find it interesting when I when I hear, oh man, I hate this well, why are you doing it? <laughs> I mean this is your business that you started like a month ago like if you hate it, stop doing it and try a different idea.
1: We literally started this episode with an example of a guy who tastes barbecue and gets paid to write about it I have we are living in a time where it is unbelievable how you can make money. I have never experience like the crazy ways people make money designing games or doing this or doing that like it's unbelievable so with all these options why would you ever pick something you don't enjoy
0: yeah i, I, I have no idea i don't have an answer to that question <laughs>
1: <laughs> but so many people do it i guess we should get one of them on the show yes. uh, and say like why are you doing this tell me um, it'd be an interesting conversation
0: yeah absolutely yeah and I, and to 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 separate this that doesn't mean even if you love what you do you don't have bad days because i once was watching a guy who reviews board games for a living he's like man i just had a bad day the other day and i'm like if the guy who plays board games <laughs> all the time and reviews them has bad days every once in a while you know it's okay like you're going to have bad days but yeah i always found I that still interesting still have
1: bad days everyone has bad days yeah, like it's absolutely. part of life Yeah, the universe occasionally throws rocks at you to test you. Katie's mobile phone was stolen last week. That created a series of bad days that weren't awesome. And we were trying to recover it and do stuff. And yeah, it's really interesting. Like, just because you pick something you enjoy most of the time. I think that's the goal is, are you happy most of the time? Because it's never going to be 100%. No,
0: it's never going to be 100%. There's always going to be a little admin work, no matter how much, how hard you try (laughs) to to (laughs) give it off to other people you're still going to have to do things yourself every once in a while there's no people
1: love admin work some people love it
0: yeah yeah there's no there's no press the button now i'm rich and don't have to do anything i mean there's the lottery but your odds of winning the lottery are very low
1: (laughs) yes and i personally see the lottery as a you're gambling you are gambling that's a fact but like for me it's a complete waste of my money I'm putting it into something that's like a tiny chance of success. I'd rather, I'd rather invest it in an index fund where I know I'll get return. I'd rather invest it in self-development and in myself. I don't want to gamble and like, my only hope is I win the lottery. No, like make your own lottery, like win your own game. Anyway, enough of a rant about the lottery. Stop doing that and start spending on yourself.
0: Yes. So you mentioned Katie lost her phone or had her phone stolen last week and also you had mentioned how your business partner played a big part into why your quote-unquote bad idea ended up being a bad idea as letting other people's opinions color the your your current outcome and i think we both have heard that you are an average of the five people you spend the most time with and i i think that rings true 100% and so what i want to dive into here is the importance of relationships with people and having a supportive environment. There is no more important relationship, at least in my life, I'm sure it's the same with yours with, than with my wife. So I know you're a comic book guy. You enjoy comic books. So everybody loves a good uh, origin story. So I'd like to hear how you and your wife met.
1: I was not expecting this question. I love it. Everyone loves a good origin story. At the time, I was pretty lost parents were getting divorced, everything was going wrong. And I decided I needed to do something different. So I actually booked myself on a volunteer project in Costa Rica, which to the British people in the audience, Costa Rica is very exotic. To the American people in the audience, it's like going to Spain, I think. But for us, it was like the other side of the world. And we Built homes for people who lost them in the floods. We worked in schools and we used football to engage the kids to bring them out of the slums and teach them English and get to know them. And it was an incredible project. And I booked to come to Costa Rica. And I travelled all the way to Costa Rica to meet a girl that lived 37 miles from my house in England. We never would have met. And she likes to tell the story of the first time she ever heard me I don't know if you know this, but in most Costa Rica homes, they don't have hot water. They just have cold water. Why would you need hot water in such a hot country? And when I got there, the showers were freezing. And she likes to tell the story of the first time she ever heard me was when I was screaming like really loudly because the cold water. I was screaming (laughs) really loudly because I couldn't take the cold water. That's the first time she ever heard me. And then I picked on her. We made friends. We hung out at a milkshake place in the evenings, gradually fell for each other in Costa Rica.
0: Who, who, who knew that uh, a cold shower would lead to uh, <laughs> blossom into a marriage? <laughs> so I, I, I enjoy hearing other people's stories and how they met their wives. I, I met mine at summer camp, good old fashioned uh, summer camp. So the, our relationships with our wives are super important. And it's also, you know, our business lives and our personal lives are somewhat intertangled, especially if we're entrepreneurs and we need that support system. So I was wondering how, what, what role has uh, Katie played with your various business ventures over the year? Well,
1: I think it's really interesting, like the person you spend your time with, your partner, your friend, your whoever's closest to you has a huge impact on what you're doing. And Katie comes from quite a traditional background Mum's a teacher, her dad had a fairly secure job and then went self-employed and they they're kind of very traditional go to university, do the job. Then I came along going, I don't have a degree, I don't have any of that. I'm just going to do random stuff and I think that challenged it a lot. And Katie didn't really she'd never really seen that world of entrepreneurship that I ended up in. She was always supportive, which is incredible because I don't think we had our problems, don't get me wrong. And one of the biggest learnings we had, I used to go on self-development courses, get utterly pumped up and want to change the world and do stuff and build businesses. And I'd come back after a week or two weeks of this course. And then she'd be like, oh, how was it? And then I'd try and explain like the energy, the passion that I had in like 20 minutes. It never works. They're left a bit confused. And she didn't get it. I lost energy, it caused fights, it caused arguments, and ever since then, we've gone on self-development courses together, because what we found is otherwise one of you is in a different place with different thoughts, experiences, and you you're actually end up tearing apart as opposed to growing together forwards, so we made that change, and that really helped. She's always been supportive, she's always wanted us to be successful. I think sometimes she's looked at me in the past going, what are you doing? Which is fair enough. Sometimes I look at myself and go, what am I doing? But yeah, I think that's probably the biggest thing we learned over the years was the growing in a similar direction. And actually, it took four five years plus for Katie to start to realize that some of the self-development stuff was, was actually useful, was actually quite powerful and start to come on the journey with me because I think she came from a very much like a university is best background. And I came from a, I don't need university. I need books. I need CD sets. I need, I need audio programs. I need courses. And we came from very different worlds. And that took a long time for us to come onto the same path. Did that make any sense at all, Stephen?
0: Yes. It made a ton of sense because uh, I've found that whenever I've, I've, heard a really you know particularly rousing podcast where i'm like yes this is going to change my life and then i go and try and tell my <laughs> wife about it or i think probably what comes across is like here's why you need to change your life in this way um uh that doesn't go well alan like don't Never do that well. <laughs> so definitely being more on the same path and and driving towards the same goals is is absolutely critical um and yeah I think it made sense, is what I'm trying to get at.
1: (laughs) I do think there are people in your life who will tell you why you can't do things, and they do it for good reasons. They want to protect you. They want to keep you where you are because they love you. They do it for good reasons. And there are a far smaller percentage of people in your life who will tell you what's possible, what you could do, where you could go, will cheer you if you do anything, and over the years what I found is I have to stop telling the people that tell me why it won't work the new ideas I have to build it myself first and get it to a stage where it can actually withstand the criticism and I have to choose very carefully those people that I want to tell the ideas Simon is one of those people my business partner he he has trained himself in collaborative and creative language And what he now says is, if you present him an idea, he says, what I love about that idea is, and he can always find something he can get on board with to build, to go forwards. And he never kills my ideas when I'm coming to him. And he supports and creates. And I think that's why I've loved working with him so much, is he allows my crazy ideas airtime. uh, And we don't go with all of them and he has enough crazy ideas too. But we kind of lift each other up, and he's learned this collaborative language. Whereas other people will say, yeah, but what about this? And they'll give you a problem with your idea, and it actually kills your mojo. And ideas are fragile at the start. I've become very conscious of who I want to share my best ideas with, or what I consider my best ideas. We'll find out whether they're good later or not. But I have become very careful because I need people who will support me with those ideas. Otherwise, yeah, they kill progress. They kill energy. They kill, they kill things that could be incredible. They do it for good reasons, but that doesn't matter. They're still doing it.
0: Yeah. I just heard, I uh, just listened to the episode that came out this week in the coaching series where you had essentially that conversation with Jamie talking about how, no, no, no. Like, don't shoot down the ideas like we can narrow them down at the end but let me dream like let's let's get a bunch of crazy ideas and let's say you know if we put them all down and then we can say okay that one is a little too crazy maybe we shouldn't do that so um,
1: (laughs) yeah the quickest way to have a good idea is to have a lot of bad ideas so you just got to let them flow
0: yep Yeah, I believe, what is it, Seinfeld? I believe Seinfeld said something along the lines of like, how do you get good jokes? You write a lot of bad jokes and I write a joke every day and not all of them are good. All right, so I know that you and Katie started a finance course together. So how has your relationship been working in a business together versus when you weren't necessarily in the same business?
1: Well, Katie actually worked for Rebel Business School for a good year or so after she left her high paying job, she did our finances. She did all the stats. She looked at all the surveys. She was phenomenal. She was amazing. We'd already learned a lot about working together by that stage. And I think when we first realized about working together was organizing our wedding. Talk about a big project with multiple stakeholders with different opinions of what the end result should be. We learned a huge amount about managing people, managing projects, making sure things get done. We developed a lot of our habits and abilities to work together through that. We're still not perfect. We still have arguments, things still go wrong, but we've developed a set of tools and techniques that help us to stay calm, focus on what the end result is and just slowly make action. And I think it's actually... Is are the same tools and techniques that work for everyone. But when it's with your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your partner, your wife, your whatever, it actually comes with a whole turbocharged set of emotions and history and baggage that you need to let go of if you're going to function well together. And we've spent a lot of time figuring out how to work together. And I don't, I don't know if I've ever said this, but basically we have a quote, unquote, project list, a list of things we're working on together Has defined stuff, has some next actions. And we've been doing this, I think, since about 2012. And every year we design a new version. So we take what we've learnt working together, and we design a new version. And we add in this, and we add in that, and we strip out this and strip out that. And we gradually have worked it through. And now we have, when we sit down and work together, we have an intention that we read that this is why we're here. This is our intention for today. And then we look at what we want to do. We make some decisions. We've learned to go slowly, one by one. We don't try and rush through. We've learned to try and make a decision of what we want to do. We don't have to do it right there and then, but we have to decide what we want to do. And there's a whole set of things that you kind of figure out over the years that help you work better together. And it's been a lot of painful learning as we go.
0: That piece about having the list of different projects, that was really interesting to me because I know some people do like, you know, annual goal setting, but it sounds like you don't necessarily have like an annual goal setting more as a annual reset on this list. Is that correct?
1: So we do have
0: an annual like,
1: okay, so what went well last year? What went badly? I have an entire set of questions, which I published on my blog that, we both journal through the answers and then discuss because it's, it's really interesting. You have to, if you're just talking, it's different to if you both answer the question individually and then discuss what you've written, you'll get a more pure answer because in any conversation, there's one of you that is a little bit more forceful, a little bit louder, and there's another one who maybe goes quieter and doesn't always speak up. And Katie is the one in our relationship that if something's go wrong, she tends to shut down and not speak up. And I really have to try and encourage her because I want to know what she thinks. I'm desperate to know what she thinks. And we're a team. So answering the questions separately gives us both the opportunity to be heard. And then we both read each other's answers and discuss what happened. We normally do do a goal setting process because it gets me excited. I love creating stuff. I love building stuff. Just so much fun. And then like that generates the project list. So you break down these goals, ideas, things that you want to do into projects, and then a simple next action. I don't know if you listened to the episode with David Allen about getting things done. He's just like, he's a phenomenal guy. And he makes so much sense. I love his stuff. But it's like, if you want to make something real, you have to define what's the simple next action. And I think that's the bit that Katie and I have started to get good at. What are we actually going to do? Like our dream is this, what are we going to do? And let me give you one example of where she's been phenomenal. I was journaling about this goal setting process and what I want to do. And a lot of them were about writing a movie, experiencing LA, Like to a British person, Hollywood movies in LA is very exciting. And I was like, I want to experience this. And Katie just said to me, well, why don't we? And it's one of those questions where you just kind of rock back in your seat and go, yeah, why don't
0: we? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what a simple question, but like it hit me hit me and she's amazing at doing stuff like that so she supported me and like within i think 2 weeks we booked the flights we booked 2 months there we booked an airbnb we were going there i was i researched how to write movies i'd booked on courses and that simple question unlocked into what's the next action how do we make it happen and i think that's the key to working together is defining what we want to achieve together and sometimes like it's supporting the other person to achieve what they want to achieve. But it's like, what do we want to do together? Why don't we do that? Unlock it. Take a next action immediately. And it's it's unbelievable what you can build together if you start to work well together. But it is a process to figure out. And it doesn't mean we still like we had an argument this week over exactly this stuff of working together and it fell to pieces and I suggested an idea and Katie came back and like it didn't work and it still happens but we're getting better every time working together and coming up with ideas
0: yeah the idea of defining the goal is something that I definitely have been working on lately of not just giving these big elaborate I want to eat better okay what does that mean like So does yes. that mean if uh, I have a slice of pizza my I've I've failed and therefore I cannot go forward and and really having a a defined starting point and ending point and saying, okay, you know this is what I'm actually evaluating against and also realizing that if I don't hit the exact finishing point, it's still okay. I heard on a podcast the other day something along the lines of perfectionists are the only ones who think instead of a 75 well. <laughs> might as well be a zero. So I'm just going to, I'm I'm part of the way to the goal. So I'm just going to give a zero. Uh, I failed, just forget this goal ever happened. And let's move on when like, you know, 80, 90, those are, those are pretty good percentages. You, you get a lot done with 80% or 90%. So that's definitely, I resonate that with that a lot of just defining what you're actually trying to do and not just this lofty this sounds nice and, you know, it feels good. And so, yeah, I definitely resonate with that quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to be able to say, okay, here's my goal. What's the next step towards it? And just take action. Whereas I think some of the ones that I failed are those nebulous ones. You can, so like, if you do have a nebulous goal, like be healthier But if you do take that and drag it right down to what's my next action? Well, my next action is, I know you can just pick anyone because it doesn't really matter at that stage. It's like drink more water each day. I want to drink X liters or X pints, I guess, if you're American, of water per day. And you have that like drilled right down. You can have a nebulous be healthy and a clear action at the bottom, but it's just harder it's just more difficult because actually, like at the bottom, you could pick out any action. It doesn't, like, be healthier. You could have sleep more, <laughs> eat more salad, eat less sugar, drink more water, do more exercise. It doesn't really matter. Any of those will move you towards be healthy. So I think a specific goal does help. There is a way to do it without that, but it all happens to, like, executing on something at the base.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to – so we talked about – your relationship with your business partner, um, and we've talked about your relationship with your wife. And I was curious what other people in your life have affected your your business life uh, outside of the the obvious wife and business partner?
1: I would have said, actually, it's a bunch of people I've never met, Stephen.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a bunch long of people, people I've never mentors. met.
1: Long distance mentors? Yeah, long distance mentors is a nice way of putting it. Katie and I have this expression we use when we get stuck on something, is what would, insert the person's name, do in this instance? So when we get to a challenge, it's like, what would Gary Vaynerchuk do? What would Tim Ferriss do? What would Tony Robbins do? Tony Robbins would probably dive into a zero-degree plunge pool, beat his chest, and then charge through the door. And then I go, do I actually want to do that? What's my idea around it? What would Tim Ferriss do? He'd probably do an 80-20 analysis and then work out who to fire. What would Gary Vaynerchuk do? He would just work. He would get right in there and do stuff. And then somewhere between all of those different ideas and ways of thinking, I find Alan's version or the Donegan's version that we would move on and do. And I think if you talk about the sum of the five people you surround yourself with, if you're reading books, listening to podcasts, who are you actually surrounding yourself with most of the time? It's these inspirational people that you've never met, but they're having an impact on your life. And let, let me just give you the counter example of this. Have you ever watched The Sopranos?
0: I have not. Oh,
1: it's a classic TV series, Tony Soprano, Camilla Soprano. They're like a mob boss in New York. who has got a lot of mental health problems and the dramas he goes through. It's an incredible series. Katie and I started, we got excited about watching the whole thing again, so we started watching. And who are we spending most of our time with as binge-watching season one, two, three? It's a dysfunctional mob boss family. (laughs) And I start getting angrier in life. We start having more arguments. Katie's acting like Camilla Soprano and throwing things at me. I'm shouting, like, we're turning into the Sopranos. This is not a good impact on my life. And it's really interesting. People think about... The people, the people are the content, the ideas, the, the things that you're surrounding yourself with have such an impact on the way you think and operate. So I, for years, spent my time with Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins and all of these people. And like, that's probably not the answer you were expecting, but those are the people I spent a huge amount of my time with. And they inspired me and left me full of energy and gave me options. And even to this day, I go, what would X do? And they are there to support me in their own sort of strange installed in my head. This like I have a mini version of Tony Robbins in my head. I have a mini version of Gary Vaynerchuk. And those people are there to support me. Does that sound weird? Like, yeah, I have a panel of people in my head.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think that sounds weird at all. Because I mean, I would say I have the same thing. I've got a you know a mini Alan Donegan telling me exactly you know what, what what's scary. my next action and yeah and and you know just coming you know because I didn't even think about entrepreneurship as an option until I heard some of the things you ha- you had to say and like talking about selling. You know, I, my background. I'm an accountant, so selling's about as far as possible from my <laughs> you know from what I'm supposed to do. And so just thinking about selling, oh, selling's actually just the transfer of enthusiasm and just hearing that for the first time, I just remember being like, well that doesn't sound so bad. Like <laughs> I I could do that. I actually started my business not by selling, but actually answering a Craigslist ad. Uh oh, somebody wow. was yeah, somebody was looking for a a bookkeeper and I answered a Craigslist ad and started that way. So I love that. Yeah, it was I couldn't sleep one night, and so I just went to the Craigslist gigs uh, section, which is a wild west of multi-level <laughs> marketing, you know, crypto trading, I'm going to teach you how to do this, and you know, just some of the stuff I've seen on there is wild, but I happened to find a diamond in the rough of somebody who actually was looking for a bookkeeper for their rental property business, and I was like, well, I guess I'll say hey and see what happens, and That's how I ended up getting started. And it was around the time that I heard you on a podcast talking about entrepreneurship. And, you know, you can do it and you can try it. And if you don't like it, you can always stop. And I was like, huh, I could try it and I could stop. I'm going to do it. So I think your answer of I I put it as the long distance mentors, the voices in your head of uh, (laughs) positive, positive, uh, you know, inspirational type things. I think that definitely plays a part. In your Sopranos example as well, I I binge watched at one point in college, I binge watched a show called Lie to Me, which was only on for one or two seasons, but I binge watched it at one point. And I very vividly remember going to a volleyball practice or something and walking up to someone and go, I watch Lie to Me, I can now detect lies. (laughs) Uh, Because it's all about this like body language expert who can tell when people are lying and everything like that. Which, if you've ever listened to "Talking to Strangers" by Malcolm Gladwell, you know that's oh yeah, that's I love a lot that of book. Gooey, But but yeah, I remember saying that sentence of "I watch lie to me, I can now detect lies." <laughs> so feeling that your the media you 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 can choose to consume has a great effect on your life. Yes, yes, definitely yes on that. It can it can affect you more than you realize.
1: One of the words you used just then was really interesting. You said consume the media you consume. And I've had this theory for about, I don't know, six or seven years now about one's diet. And if you take traditional diet as in like your actual diet, what you eat, that will reflect in your physical appearance. That will reflect in your energy and the way you are. And on the other side, I think about my mental diet. What is my mind consuming? Because that will directly reflect in my positivity, my attitude, my beliefs, the way I show up in the world. So I think a lot about what am I feeding my mind? What am I consuming? What is my diet? And I think the average person has a dreadful diet of media, news, pop culture shows. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of that. But if that's the majority of your diet, what are you installing in your mind? What beliefs? And I think that sum of five people, the sum of the five people you surround yourself with, include in there your diet, your media diet. And I just think we are feeding ourselves junk food, mental junk food. And if there's a way we can find messages, inspiration, ideas, ideas that just inspire and give you energy and someone who can infuse you like that, that diet, I spent a good 15 years with a diet of self-development. And I like to think that has what has created who I am today. And that's what now comes out through that diet, what I've consumed. You talk about the long-term effects of eating sugar. You talk about the long-term effects of food on your physical body over the decades. I think it's exactly the same for your mental diet. And people end up in a... Like Mental health has become one of the biggest problems around the world. And I genuinely believe it's down to our diet, what we're consuming, what we're eating, what mentally, what we're taking in. A question for you, Stephen. Yeah. What is your diet mentally?
0: Mentally, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't consume any news. My my wife has to tell me when certain world events have happened because I... I'm very much like, she'll be like, did you hear this? And I'm like, no, like, nope." I, I, I am into, into sports a lot. So I do check ESPN. So if, the, if it's big enough to go, it goes on ESPN, then I, I hear about it. But usually that's one or two checks a day on a browser, not even on TV. But it's a lot of podcasts, a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading, which is funny because two years ago, I would have told you I hate reading. And now I've read, I think, 23 or 24 books this year already. And so I just, I, I had a mental switch of, I, I always told myself I hate reading. It turns out I don't hate reading. I just did not enjoy being slow at reading. And I also did not enjoy <laughs> uh, the books I was being forced to read in grade school or high school or whatever. And when I started actually being able to pick what I read and also breaking it down into bite-sized chunks that I felt were manageable and also realizing that, If I'm bad at something, you know how you get better at it. It's not to ignore it and say you hate it. Um, (laughs) Alan, that does not work well. Um, It it really does not work well to be like, well, I'm slow at reading. I hate it. I'm not going to wake up one morning and be faster at reading that way. So I just was like, I need, I want to be a better reader. So I just started reading. I I took the advice of, I think Hal Elrod was the first place I saw it, the Miracle Morning of the 10 pages a day of self-development. And I was like, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll try it. So, I started doing like 10 pages a day and I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. Like, and I started getting faster and started finding books that were more interesting to me and like started getting into the personal development scene. And now I'm constantly like, I hardly read fiction now because I have too many nonfiction books that I'm interested in. Like, oh, I want to learn about this topic. Like, one topic I'm really interested in right now is friendship. Like, how, when do friends become friends and how, how do friends become friends? And I, I, I've moved just 30 minutes East recently. And so I'm in a new community and I've just been wondering, like, I honestly don't know how to meet people and I haven't, you know, it's just like, what do you do now? And just learning what I found is you have to be the awkward one who's willing to walk up to people and say, hi, hi, I'm Steven. Let's talk oh, I see you have a child. I also have a child. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, have those awkward conversations and be the one who actually does it. But that's something I've been interested in. So I'll just find books about that and I'll start reading them. And and so that that that's my mental diet is a lot of books, a lot of podcasts. And then if I'm watching something on TV, which really isn't all that often, it's usually something that's nice and bubbly and fun and occasionally some action. But most, for the most part, I'm looking at humor and, and things of that nature. I don't do horror because, like you said, you, you learned you, know, you were concerned you were becoming Tony Soprano. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be running from murderers, so I, I, <laughs> I try to avoid horror movies. And I'm also a huge scaredy cat. So, so yeah, so that, that's my mental diet.
1: Just picking up on one of the things you said, which I, one of the beliefs I've had for the years, which I first read a self-development book at age 21 when someone thrusted it upon me and said, you need to read this. And my life was in enough of a mess that I paid attention and read it. That changed everything. And then I came back with this bold belief that I shouted at everyone that you can learn anything from books. And my friends used to take the Mickey. They, I don't know what the American term would be. Take the Mickey out of me. Take the joke with me. Take the piss. Take the... What's the term? spirit. Tease me.
0: Yeah. Joke with you. Tell me I was a fool. Pick on you.
1: Pick on me. Yeah. They were particularly unkind about this belief and told me I was a fool. And then I kept reading books and kept doing new things. And that belief has become stronger and stronger and stronger for me over the years. You can literally learn anything. I don't care what it is, how to sell, how to market, how to build a business, how to think, how to make friends. I don't care what it is. Some of those books over the years have had such an impact on the way I behave and the way I interact, which has in turn had such an impact on my results. And genuinely, everyone listening to this, you can learn anything from a book. And if you don't like to read, try. And if you really don't like it, listen to the audiobook. There's ways to do it. Yeah, fill your mind with ideas, positivity, and energy. It is unbelievably valuable.
0: Yes, I 100% agree. And as somebody who used to hate reading, give it another try and keep looking around for things that interest you. I mean, that's, that, that was one of my biggest problems is my perception of books were the classic novels you have to read in high school and you're, you're, it's not what you pick. It's what you're forced to read. And it's like, well, yeah, reading's going to suck when you do that because you're not reading something you want to read. You're reading because you have to. And once you start actually finding topics that are interesting and that'll propose an idea and you'll be like, oh, where do you get that from? And you look at, into what book that is and you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. Or if you're listening to a podcast and an author comes on and starts talking about their book and you're like, oh, I want to dive deeper in on that idea. And you go find that book and you read it and you're like, whoa. And then you dive into whatever they have they've written. And it just is a it's a it's I, I feel like it's a positive wormhole because you also find out that you can, a lot of that time you're empowering yourself to do things that you wouldn't have done previous. Like, let's be honest, I was terrified to hit submit on the application to, to be on this <laughs> podcast and be doing this right now. I think in my application, I put something along the lines of, I'm doing this because I, I need to get out of my comfort zone and just hitting submit on this application will be a win for me. And I might throw up, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm happy to report there's been no throw up, and now we're recording a podcast, and it's it's been an awesome experience. And but it just goes to show you that you know living outside of your comfort zone is where the growth happens, and finding a way to surround yourself with people that make you feel comfortable being uncomfortable, and knowing that you you can come back and be like okay, like. I'm still here. Like, these people still <laughs> I've like... I've still
1: survived.
0: Yeah, I've still survived. These people still like being around me. I gave it a try. I'm no worse for the wear. I'll wake up tomorrow and, and we can try something else. That's been, that's been huge.
1: Everything you want in life is outside your comfort zone. Otherwise, you'd already have it. And I think that thought for me changed everything. It was like, oh, oh everything I want is out there if I feel uncomfortable, that must mean I'm making progress. So now I seek it out. Love a good bit of uncomfortableness.
0: Yes. It's been transformative and just doing things that I never thought I could do just because I've made the mental switch of saying, no, actually I can do that. Is that it? like It sounds simple, but a lot of things in life are simple. They're maybe not easy, but they're pretty simple.
1: So, S- Stephen, tell everyone where they can find your bookkeeping business, or are, are you even out as a bookkeeper yet?
0: I'm not out as a bookkeeper. <laughs> are you not? Uh, so, so yeah, I work full-time currently, and I I have zero web presence. Um, <laughs> can they find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can email my personal email. Honestly, I'll I'll give that out, which is uh, stephenrpayton at gmail.com. And I will clarify that Stevens with a P H and Peyton is P E Y T O N. And don't forget the R because poor Stephen Payton at gmail.com has gotten a couple of, uh, I know he at least <laughs> got my uh, wife's college graduation invite and a couple other emails that have not come to me. So if, if Stephen Payton at gmail.com is listening to this, I apologize I try to tell people that there's an R. I even capitalize it when I write it out. But, you know, I, I, I'm doing what I can. But it's, uh, it's, 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 they don't always follow directions. So I apologize uh, for, for giving you extra email. So
1: I love that. So, Stephen, like, this has been an awesome conversation. I've loved it. Is there a closing thought, an idea, something you want to share with the Rebel Entrepreneur audience?
0: Yeah. So just to summarize kind of what we learned today, I, I think we summed it up there at the end of everything is outside of your comfort zone. You know, going back to the beginning about starting from scratch, we you have to be get out of your comfort zone. You have to apply energy. You have to keep going after something. Be willing to listen to feedback if you send it to a thousand people and no one buys it. Maybe that's the <laughs> time to, uh, to stop. But if, if you've sent it to five, that probably isn't enough for you to realize it's a bad idea. And then I think also the other big theme we've had today is it's really important who you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with. Your environment is huge, whether it's, you know, you're trying to get on a better diet, you know, junk food in your in your house is not going to be good for that. If you want to have a better mindset, binge watching The Sopranos may not be what you want to do. Finding the voices that empower you to take action and give you a mindset that you can do things and encourage you rather than detract from what could be. Um, Because you just don't know unless you try. And you just don't know unless you take action and put yourself out there and put it into the universe and see what happens.
1: I love that. Grillmaster Stephen Payton, thank you so much for taking over the Rebel Entrepreneur. You have been fabulous.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And to those of you listening, go make it happen.
0: You can have any life
1: you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a Rebel Entrepreneur.